Well, hello and welcome to the vineyard, everyone. I am so fired up that you are here as we head into week two of the 714 Project. Now, if you're new with us, the 714 Project is a sermon series we're doing that I believe is gonna be transformative for everyone who comes along on the journey. Uh, and I think it's gonna have a real impact on our world and our church as well. Now, uh, if you look around at our world right now, things are pretty crazy, right? I mean, we've got COVID going on and all the things that surround COVID from school and what's going to happen with the kids to the economy to unemployment. I mean, there's so much going on, not to mention just the safety issues associated with COVID and the division in our country surrounding COVID. It's nuts. We've got political division going on in our country. We've got uh, all kinds of mess. The, the race issue uh, is huge right now. We've got riots in, in some of our major cities and, and burning, uh, burning buildings and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I, as I was getting ready for this next sermon series, I was praying and I was asking God, what do you want us to talk about? And he said, not what you have scheduled. I have something different. I want you to talk about the issues of the day. And that landed really heavy on my heart. I, I, I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? What can I say about these issues? They're all bigger than I am. I mean, I can talk about them, but what, what do you say about these issues? And it was a very heavy couple of weeks as I tried to sort through and figure out what I was supposed to talk about. And eventually the Lord really said, look, I want you to lead my people to prayer and repentance. I want you to lead my people to pray powerful prayers that will change their lives and that will change the world. And he led me to 2 Chronicles 7.14. Now 2 Chronicles 7.14 reads this way. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It's a very familiar scripture if you're familiar with scripture. And, and I felt like God was saying, I want you to build a series around this scripture, around this passage. And, and as, as, he was, as he was giving me this, he gave me five things that we are supposed to do during this time. It's a 40-day it's a journey, a 40-day prayer challenge that I wanna challenge you to. And again, if you're new and you're hearing this for the first time, I kinda went over this last week. Um, but there's five things that I want to invite you to do. One is to pray twice a day at 714 in the morning and 714 in the evening. This habit of prayer, if you do this consistently, will have a real impact on your spiritual life and on your life in general. And I'm encouraging people to pray on your knees if you can. Now, I know there's people who can't pray on their knees, but praying on our knees is a, is a, a, a physical act of humility. And uh, humbling ourselves is a big part of this. Now, if you can't pray on your knees, I want to encourage you to keep that humility in mind. Maybe take your shoes off like Moses did at the, the burning bush. Do something that reminds you that you're humbling yourself. But pray twice a day, 714. Set an alarm on your phone. The second thing is uh, find a prayer partner and pray with them at least once a day. It can be at what, the 714 time. It can be at a different time. But pray once a day with a prayer partner. Now, you take consistent prayer and you add the habit of a prayer partner in and it's going to accelerate 
your spiritual growth and it's going to empower your prayers in ways that you can't even imagine. The third habit is just a daily devotional and we're providing you with a book and a journal called Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson. Uh, it is it's a phenomenal devotional. It will help you. It'll be kind of the rails for you to run on for your daily prayer time and, and devotional. And so now we're adding in not just prayer, not just a prayer partner, but a daily devotional. And the third habit we're adding in is fasting. I'm going to ask you to fast from something. Now, fasting is just abstaining from something that we normally consume. It can be uh, food. It can be a, a certain type of food. It can be intermittent fasting. It can be media. It can be social media. Pray and ask God what you're supposed to fast from. And fasting is a powerful biblical practice. Jesus fasted. His disciples fasted. Christians throughout the ages have fasted. And it is a way, again, to humble ourselves, but it is also a way to focus our attention on God as we have to deny ourselves something. We're sacrificing something. And as we take the energy that we put into that thing or as that thing becomes a hunger pang in some way in our lives, we reminds us to turn and focus on prayer and to focus on God. Fasting is powerful. And then the last of the habits is consistent church attendance. I want you to be here for all five weeks of this series, if you at all possibly can. You can watch online. You can be here in person um, while you're watching online. Or you can come down to the Heritage Port and be there in person. Um, but catch all five weekends of this series. Now, these five things together uh, will synergistically uh, do something in your life and it will accelerate your spiritual growth in, in such an amazing way. And I believe empower your prayers in an amazing way. You will be a different person at the end of this 40 day journey than you are starting today. And, and we have three goals that we're praying for during this journey. One is that God will heal our land. If our land has ever needed healed, it needs to be healed today. We are divided. Our country is just uh, in, in a really hard place and we need God to intervene. The second thing we're praying for is that God would lead our church. We need to be led through this season and through the transition that our world is in right now. The church needs God's leadership more than ever. And we're going to pray for that. And the third thing is that God would transform our lives personally. And again, if you're new, I'm just catching you up. If you're if you were here last week, this is just a review for you or just a reminder. If you're new, uh, I'm telling you, it's not too late for you to get in on this, for you to be a part of it. You can sign up today online and you can start tomorrow. Uh, you can swing by the, the church on Warden Run Road and pick up the books or if you're out of town, we'll send them to you. But but do this. I'm, I double dog dare you to do this. It will change things in your world and you will grow and you will be a better person by the end of it. But more importantly, you will be a part of healing our land, of God leading our church. You get to be a part of a movement. So please, please, please don't hesitate to jump in just because it's a week late. You just start day one today or tomorrow and keep going and it will be powerful for you too. Well, this week, what I want to talk about is humility and repentance. You know, when we read 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the, the obvious part is if my people will pray. Let me read it again for us. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. I want to focus on humbling ourselves. And then it says, and pray and seek my face, which is the obvious part. 
and turn from their wicked ways. I want to focus on that today as well. Another word for turning from our wicked ways is repentance. And I'll explain a little bit about that in a moment. He says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And I believe that God wants to heal our land. I believe that God wants to hear our prayers. I believe that God wants to move in powerful ways, but he is waiting for us to humble ourselves and he is waiting for us to repent. And I wanna break down these two concepts for us today and then encourage you to incorporate these concepts and these practices into your prayer time this week. Now, let's talk about humility first. You know, humility in God's world, in God's economy, is powerful. In fact, humility is one of the big concepts, one of the big principles that God weaves through the Old Testament and the New Testament. God responds to humility. In fact, I put it this way in the notes. Humility opens the heart of God. God responds to us humbling ourselves. If my people who are called by my name will, what? Humble themselves. This is not the only place we see this. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, James, Jesus' half-brother, says this, but the grace that God gives is even stronger. God's grace is even more powerful. As the scripture says, he goes on, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Grace opens the flood, or I'm sorry, humility opens the floodgate of God's heart in our life. It is powerful, powerful stuff, and he resists the proud, he, he works against the proud, but if we are willing to humble ourselves, it just opens his heart to us in such big ways. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34 puts it even more bluntly. It says this, he has no use for conceited people. <laughs> he has no use for conceited people, but he shows favor to those who are humble. Guys, humility can be really hard. It can be hard to, uh, to admit that we're wrong. It can be hard to admit that we need forgiveness. It can be hard to, to ask for forgiveness from another person or sometimes even from God. But it is the key, guys. It is the key. Pray, and that's why part of why we're praying on our knees. Praying on our knees is a physical manifestation of physical expression of humility. We kneel before kings and queens. We kneel before Almighty God in humility and say, Lord, we don't even deserve to be in your presence, but yet you welcome us into your presence. And we are humbling ourselves and we are praying. Now, again, like I said, if you can't get on your knees because you've had knee surgery or there's, you know, it just hurts too bad because your knees are old and decrepit, that's fine. But humble yourself, take your shoes off, do something like that to express your humility before God. It's also why we're fasting. Fasting is an expression of humility. We're sacrificing something that we enjoy, something that we like. And we're saying, you know what, I'm going to humble myself and I am sacrificing this thing and I am focusing on you, God. And that is powerful. It's so powerful. Humility, in fact, the way I put it is humility is the key to tranquility. Pride will make you, um, make you all tied in knots on the inside because you have to defend 
that pride. Even if you're unconscious conscious of it, you're constantly defending that pride. You're constantly protecting and being defensive. And that does not lead to tranquility in our heart. Pride will bring you down eventually. And, and, and God opposes the proud. He opposes those. Do you want to live in opposition to God or more importantly, with God in opposition to you? No, you do not. You have to find the ability to humble yourself. And humility will bring you tranquility, I promise. I love how James says in James chapter 4 and verse 10, uh, he just says this so well, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to make yourself look good. In fact, the more humble you can be, the more God can lift you up, the more comfortable you can be in your own skin. You don't have to, you don't have to be defensive anymore. You don't have to promote yourself. You can let God do that. And he will, if you'll humble yourself, he'll lift you up. And another important thing here, guys, is that the scripture says, humble yourself before the Lord. This is not God's job to humble you. You know, people will pray, God, humble me. Never pray that prayer. It's not his job. It's your job. He will do it if you ask him to. And boy, you do not want to learn humility that way. It's much better if you will humble yourself. Humility is the key to tranquility. Humility is the, is the key that unlocks God's heart towards us but we have to do it. We have a part to play in that. Now, the second concept that I wanna to unpack today is repentance. Repentance opens the floodgates of grace and forgiveness in our lives. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, and turn from their wicked ways. Another way to say that is repentance. Repentance, one of the biblical definitions of repentance is turning and going in the other direction. If we're walking away from God and we have our back towards, turned from him, we turn around and we face towards him and we walk towards him. It's a 180 degree turn. We have a ministry in the church called 180. That's kind of what that's all about. Turning 180 and going the other way or turning from our sins, our wicked ways and walking back towards righteousness, walking back towards God. That's one part of repentance. I'll unpack the rest of repentance in a moment, but I want to share with you a few things about repentance first. Rhonda Nicodemus, who, who was the church secretary here and eventually the, the office manager, and she kind of ran the place for about 35 years at the Vineyard. I got to work with her for more than 15 years, and I love Rhonda Nicodemus. Well, anyway, a couple weeks ago, after I announced that this was a sermon series we were doing, she sent me an email and how excited she was about the series and what, the direction we were going in. And she shared with me a, uh, a posting from a blog, from a ministry that she follows called Jerusalem Prayer Team. And uh, the guy who wrote the blog, his name was Dr. Michael Evans. And I very rarely will read a long passage as part of a, a, of a sermon because people kind of drift. But I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna make an exception for that today, twice actually, I'm gonna make an exception for that today because the things that I need to read to you are so good and so profound and so powerful and so pertinent to where we are. I'm gonna ask you, close your eyes and concentrate as best you can and listen to the words I'm about to read from you from Dr. Mike Evans. 
And I'm going to read them off my computer here. And this is what it says. It says, years ago, God directed me to go to El Salvador. The country was in the grip of a bitter conflict. There were death squads roaming the nation, pulling people out of their homes and killing them. The country was divided. Well, I got to meet with the president and some of his top leaders while I was there to preach. And I asked the president, do you want this to stop? Do you want your land to be healed? It can be, but it's going to take 2 Chronicles 7.14. I watched as he wrote that reference down, and I listened as he issued a national call for a day of humility, fasting, repentance, and prayer. And I watched as God did heal the divide in, our na- in their nation. Without humility and repentance, prayer has no power. There will be no healing of a nation from division. There will be no healing of a nation from a plague. There will be no healing of a nation from economic collapse until God's people seek his face as he commanded. Someone has to stand in the gap for a nation. Someone has to fight and win the war against principalities and powers for the soul of a country. And the key, the key is repentance. That is the key to healing the racial divides, the key to healing the economy, the key to healing the plague. Billy Graham said, if God doesn't punish America and judge it, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. America holds the record for murdering babies, 62 million so far. America holds the record for drug addiction and alcoholism and pornography. Yes, there will be a judgment if we don't repent. I believe that every problem facing us as Americans is basically at its root a spiritual problem. Crime is a spiritual problem. Inflation is a spiritual problem. Corruption is a spiritual problem. Social injustice is a spiritual problem. And racism is a spiritual problem. The lack of will even to defend our freedom is a spiritual problem. Pointing fingers and accusing others will not heal our land. Politicians will not heal our land. Prosperity will not heal our land. Only repentance will heal our land. Repentance will cause God to forgive our sins and heal our land. How true that is. Repentance is powerful. It is a necessary part of this prayer journey that we're on. And repentance is central to the Christian life, isn't it? It's how we come to faith in Jesus in the first place. We repent and turn from our wicked ways and we turn 180 degrees from walking away from God to walking towards God. We repent because we've all sinned and we all need to repent. It's not only the way into the Christian life, it's the way on in the Christian life because we all struggle with sin on a daily basis. We all need forgiveness. We all need to humble ourselves, to confess our sins, to turn from our sins, and to ask God to forgive our sins. And humility is the key to being able to repent, isn't it? Because until we can humble ourselves and own the fact that we need to repent, we can't repent. See, humility opens the heart of God to us and repentance brings his grace. Humility is the the first step. Repentance is the second. And the two together change things in the spiritual realm. Now, there are two kinds of repentance And I want to talk about these two kinds of repentance because I want us to practice these two kinds of repentance this week. 
And the first is this, personal repentance. Our, our junk, the stuff that we have done that is wrong, the stuff that we still struggle with and that trips us up. And for you, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's anger or maybe it's a, an inherent racism that you struggle with. Or maybe it's cheating in school or work or business. Maybe it's being a narcissist and making the whole world about you and your comfort and your image and all of that. That is the sin of our age, I believe. Maybe cheating on a spouse. Maybe it's nursing an addiction and making excuses for it and saying, you know what, it's not that big a deal. I don't drink that much. It's not that out of control. But in reality, in the back of your mind and the deep places in your heart, you know you're out of control and you need to admit it and humble yourself and repent. Maybe it's watching uh, Netflix original movies because 95% of them are soft core porn or hardcore porn. I mean, it's nuts. It's bad stuff. But we make excuses and we say, well, it's just Netflix. It's not a porn channel, so it's okay. It's not okay. Maybe it's jealousy or gossip or materialism. Maybe it's workaholism. Maybe it's something else not on the list that I just laid out. You know what your stuff is. And I want to encourage you this week to ask God to search your heart and show you what you need to repent from and then to repent from it this week. Now, if you're sitting there going, well, I don't, I don't have anything I need to repent from. I just want to remind you the words of the Apostle John in 1 John 1, 8. He says, if we, have no, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You're a liar. That's what John says. We all have sin in our lives. The question is, are you humble enough to admit it? And are you humble enough to turn from it and repent? Well, the big question then is, how do you repent? I mean, repenting is turning and walking in the other direction from our junk and our sin and our stuff, but there's really more to it than that. And I wanna lay out for you a process of repenting. These are things I wanna encourage you to do this week. And, and I'm, I'm lifting these right from steps four through seven of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Did you know that AA was originally founded by Christians and it was completely built on Christian principles, including the principle of repentance? And step four through seven brilliantly lay out what repentance looks like. Step four says this, make a fearless more inventory of all your wrongs. Make a list of the things that you've done wrong. Write them down. You have a journal. Write them down in your journal. Ask God to show you, is there something that you're missing? Make a, a list. The second part is this. Confess it to God. He already knows. He's not going to be surprised. It's not like he's going to be up in heaven going, oh my, I can't believe you've done that. He knows everything you've done. He's just waiting for you to admit it and to confess it to him and to ask for his forgiveness. Make a list. Confess it to God. The, sec the, the next part's a little harder. It's share it with somebody else. If your prayer partner is somebody you feel safe with, I'd encourage you to share it with them. Someone who is safe, someone who's not going to judge you, someone who can pray for you. The scripture says to confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. You know, that's part of what sin does is it, it wounds our hearts and we need healing. And part of how we get healing is we confess it to another person and they pray for us and God moves in such powerful. Guys, this is such a liberating process. 
Find somebody that you can share, share it with. And the last part is ask God. This is step four or step seven if you're following the 12 steps. Ask God to take those sins and those behaviors away from you. Just confess, God, I, I will do everything I can, but I need your power and your strength, and I don't want to do these things anymore. Will you help me root these things out of my life? I choose now to repent, to turn away from these things and to walk towards you. Guys, this week, we need to repent and we need to humble ourselves. And this is not part of, of draw the circle. It's not, it's not, it's, this, this does not line up with the 40-day devotional. This is something we are doing in parallel with the 40-day de- devotional, but this is critical if we're going to do 2 Chronicles 7.14. And I believe this is critical. This will blow open your spiritual life and your prayer life in such a powerful way and set you free from some things as well. So let's do some business this week. That's personal repentance, but there's a second kind of repentance, corporate repentance, corporate repentance. That's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 is about, really, is corporate repentance. My people who will come and repent for the sins of the nation. Guys, and throughout history, we see that throughout the history of Israel. We see that throughout the history of the United States, especially the early history. Leading up to the Revolutionary War, there were the colonies, uh, different colonies would call for days of humiliation. That's the way they would say, humble yourself. Humiliation, fasting, prayer, and repentance. And, uh, and, and it's really what, what opened the door. If you look back and you read through these, de- these days and you read through the history of of uh, the revolutionary period of America, these days of prayer were turning points that, that eventually led to the revolution and then eventually led us through the revolution. The, the, early, con- the early Congress uh, of the U.S. declared days of fasting and prayer throughout the history, throughout the war. And George Washington even at one point said, you know what, we're going to, we're gonna give all the soldiers a day off to participate in that. And you can see the turning points in that war, because we weren't winning it early on, uh, early, but turning points through the war corresponded with those days of fasting and prayer and humiliation and repentance. It's powerful. And when you think about it, it was the hand of God that won the U.S. that war. There were, I love reading about I love reading about American history, but especially the Revolutionary War, because because it was a miracle. I mean, there's no way that a bunch of farmers with pitchforks should have been able to beat the strongest military in the history of the world, the best trained military, the best equipped military and Navy in the history of the world was the British Empire. It was like a bunch of people with with clubs and pitchforks fighting the Navy SEALs today. There's no way we should have won that war. It was a, an impossibility, and yet we did. It was a miracle, and I think a lot of it had to do with the hand of God responding to the corporate repentance and prayer of the people of this country. I, I, I love uh, Civil War history as well. And the Civil War, if you read, through, read about the Civil War, it was an unmitigated disaster for the Union early on. The first half of the Civil War, 
The Union lost battle after battle after battle after battle. Uh, it was discouraging. Abraham Lincoln aged years in a two-year period of time. He was demoralized because he couldn't win a battle. And the South had some secret weapons. It was Andrew Jackson. They called him Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee. Uh, they, were gen they were some of the best generals and best military tacticians in the history of, of warfare. They were phenomenal, especially Andrew Jackson. He was so good. And then something happened after battle, loss after loss after loss. The, the, the war shifted and, and, and the Union began to win battle after battle after battle after battle. And many historians would tell you that the, the war shifted. It was the pivot point was Gettysburg. But if you dig a little bit deeper, what you will find out is that the turning point happened a couple months before Gettysburg. On March 30th, 1863, Abraham Lincoln made a proclamation, a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Now again, I don't usually read long passages to you during a sermon, but I'm going to again now, because as I was reading this in preparation for this message, all the hair stood up on the back of my neck and I was like, this is for today as much as it was for then. This is our Senate and our president declaring, I think, what needs to be declared today, a national day of humiliation, fasting and prayer for the unity of our nation. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to, again, to close your eyes and listen as best you can to what I'm about to read to you, because it is so good. And let these words wash over you and the power behind them stir your heart. This is what Abraham Lincoln wrote. He says, whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and the and just government of Almighty God and all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And insomuch as we know that by His divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisement in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people." We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven, and we have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. 
Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the view of the Senate, I do by this my proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I do hereby request all the people to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to be united at their several places of public worship in their respective homes and keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that this united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessing no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. I, I find myself even now stunned by the words of Lincoln, how appropriate they are for today. But you know what? The war didn't turn at Gettysburg two months after, after that. The war turned. The war turned two days after the National Day of, of Prayer and Fasting and Humiliation. Stonewall Jackson, who is from West Virginia, by the way, just to let you know that. But he was, he was the master tactician. He was the master military strategist. In a fluke accident on his way back after a scouting expedition, expedition was shot by his own men. He was shot in his left arm. Stonewall, or, uh, Robert E. Lee wrote of Jackson. He said, Jackson, because his arm was eventually amputated, said I lo he lost his left arm, but I lost my right. It was so true. Jackson eventually died from complications, infection, and pneumonia. And that's what turned the tide of the war. Historians speculate and, and are, are very pro probably true, probably very right in speculating this, that if Jackson were at Gettysburg, Gettysburg would have been won by the South and the rest of the war would have turned in the other direction. Two days after a national day of humility and repentance and prayer. Guys, the nation was torn in two back then, brother fighting against brother not able to understand how the other person could even think what they were thinking. It's not very different than our nation today, except that it had gotten to the point of full-blown civil war. There was a moral battle going on over slavery, and it looked like the righteous side, the side of abolition, might lose. But it didn't. It turned on that proclamation and that day of prayer. Guys, corporate humiliation, fasting, and prayer changes things. It changes things because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers in the spiritual realm. And corporate 
Repentance is necessary. Corporate repentance for the sins of a nation is powerful, and we have sins to repent from. Guys, we have, over the last 50 years, we have murdered 62 million babies. In fact, the number one killer of black lives in America is abortion because it has been marketed to and clinics have been strategically placed in black communities. Want to talk about, you want to talk about structural oppression and racism? Look right there. We have a history of slavery and, and discrimination through the Jim Crow years. We need to repent. We need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to say we are sorry. We have slavery today going on with the sex trade in this nation. There are more slaves alive today. There are more people in slavery today than there were through the whole 400 years of slavery in the U.S. It is a problem today and it is going on and we're turning a blind eye to it and, and ignoring the, the crisis of pornography and what that does in people's hearts and it eventually plays out in sex slavery today and it's going on in our nation and we need to repent. We have sat back idly and watched as, as the freedom from religion people have tried to take God out of the public square and we're paying the price for it. And the greed and the corruption in our, our political system makes me want to throw up. And we need to fix it. But before we fix it, we need to repent. And we need to turn from it. We need to tell God we are sorry for our complacency. Corporate repentance. We need to repent for the sins of our nation, for abortion, for racism, for slavery, for st the structural oppression, for sexual promiscuity that has saturated our culture, for our poli the political hate and division that we've allowed to seep in, for the greed, and probably most importantly, for our complacency and all of that. And I want to be clear, guys. This is not an exercise of self-loathing. This is not, hey, America is the worst nation that ever existed on the, on the planet. America is not the worst nation that has ever existed on the planet. In fact, I would suggest it's one of the most generous, life-giving nations that has ever existed on the planet. But we are not perfect. We have our faults. We have our sins. And we need to repent. And if we do, I believe God will respond. Now, I know what you're, you're thinking. You're thinking, can we do that? Can we repent for the sins? Can you know, our church do that? Guys, look at it this way. We are a delegation for our nation. I mean, we're never going to get everybody in our country to participate. Lincoln didn't get everybody to participate back in 1863. But enough people participated and repented for the people of God participated. And that's what I'm calling us to do. Let us repent corporately. And maybe someday, maybe in the near future, we'll have a president that will declare another day of repentance and humiliation and fasting and prayer. I hope so. But this week, we're declaring it for the vineyard. And this week, I want to invite you to pray these prayers in humility and brokenness. I want each of us to pray take part of our prayer time and humble ourselves to pray on our knees, to fast, to confess, to seek his face, and to turn from our wicked ways, both personally, do business with God personally, and nationally. And I believe that God is going to respond in such powerful ways. And I want to leave you with the words of the Apostle Peter in Acts 3.19. 
Let this be our hope. He says this, he says, repent then and turn to God. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Lord Jesus, would you bring those times of refreshing? Would you heal our land? Would you heal our nation? And would you heal our lives? Lord, we love you and we humbly admit that we have wronged you, that we have allowed our nation to go in, a, in the wrong direction. And Lord, we ask in your name that you would hear our prayers this week, that you would help us to see the things in our lives that we need to repent from, and that you would move powerfully both in our nation and in our lives personally. And it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.